Third hour, Darren, Donnick, and Chase on this Monday afternoon, a sunny Monday afternoon. Hope everybody's having a good start to your week. Darren McFarland, Chase McCabe alongside. Willie D is in Detroit, Motor City tonight, Predators and Red Wings. Six o'clock puck drop. I'll have pregame for you starting at five. Long road trip for the Predators begins in Detroit this evening. They'll be in Colorado to take on the Avalanche on Thursday. That'll be game two of this road trip. Right now we head east, not to Detroit, but to Knoxville. Vince Ferrara, WNML, the sports animal in Knoxville, at Vince Sports on Twitter. Benny, how you doing? How was your weekend? I'm good, guys. Weekend was good. Hope you're doing well and you had a good weekend. Um, no long road trips for the Vols. Nothing longer than a one-game road trip all season long. Yeah, you're right. That's a, that's a that's a very good point. And they'll head to Lexington next, and the Lexington and Columbia, Missouri, will be their their road trips the rest of the way. And we'll get into the remaining schedule as they sit now four and five on the year. I said on Friday's show. Vince, that if Tennessee has turned a corner and truly they are better and they're headed in the right direction after that big win over South Carolina and the closer game than most anticipated against Alabama and the big win over Mississippi State, then they absolutely, I saw UAB when I was up in Cleveland to go up there for the Titans and the Browns game Saturday. Uh, the family and I were at, at uh, Akron to see Akron and UAB because of a buddy of mine who's the punter. His son is the punter for Akron, and I said, I saw Akron. They're one of the worst teams in Division One football. They are absolutely awful. UAB was, eh, they're okay. I, I like what Bill Clark has done. I, I think it was terrible that that program went away. But, you know, I saw them this year up close and personal, and they're like, I'm like, they're okay. Tennessee should handle them. That's Those are my words. Chase knows on Friday. Tennessee can can, should absolutely handle them and win pretty easy. And they did. So congrats to them. They did exactly what I expected. If they've turned a corner and they're going the right direction, they did exactly what I I said they should do on Friday. Well, just the fact that they were able to win that game easily without really playing especially well or maybe even taking another step in terms of quality of play and still you know, win it handily, I think that also shows the progress that they've made. Uh, whereas, you know, obviously, against earlier in the year, they were in no position to out-talent anybody. So they have improved. And, you know, Pruitt talked a little bit about the reasons. He's a, uh, we're, we're always looking for, you know, for reasons and pointing to specific times or, you know, a meeting or something as to the turnaround. But, you know, even today he was talking about, that they didn't have a couple of their really key players at the time. One of their two of their better defenders and Daniel Batuli and Bryce Thompson in that early stretch. And they're not deep enough. They're not good enough to be able to just plug another guy in there. They had to plug other guys in there and they've gotten experience and gotten better since then, but not ready or mature enough at the time. And, you know, they've had other injuries too, like Emmett Gooden and Balin Buchanan. Those would be starters for this team right now, and they're not getting those guys back. So they, they've, they've still had to figure it out on the way, but uh, the fact that they've, they have improved to the point to where they don't have to play great and still win a ball game against group of five or nine, uh, I think it, it does reflect the, the progress they've made. And just to clarify the road trip, yes, I know that they 
play two straight road games technically with Kentucky and Missouri, but there's a bye week in between, so kind of didn't view it as a you know road trip, so to speak. Yeah, I mean, they've, it's been a very friendly schedule, and then, of course, they wrap up with Vanderbilt at home, so they, they're at home, and even if that was a road trip, they're staying in the state. But uh, So, you know, sitting here four and five, I mean, three winnable games. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Even I understand they're an underdog in Lexington, which is a little surprising to me, but uh, they are. Three winnable games. I mean, they absolutely could could finish on a very very high note and and punch their way into a, into a bowl game, which I think would be an incredible turnaround considering what we were discussing after the BYU game. Yeah, I mean, we were we were discussing buyouts and uh, you know fans wanting Brute fired and uh, just historically bad seasons, and they've uh, they've certainly improved. And and another reason why it. It's encouraging. Again, not, you know, for those that aren't Vols fans or listening like, oh, you know, acting like they're some great team. But it, it, they are doing things that, that are fundamental and playing well that they haven't done a whole lot of. Like playing well at the line of scrimmage overall, tackling. You know, we haven't seen Tennessee be as good tacklers like this in a while, probably going back to – you know, when they were playing the best under Butch Jones, they're, they're doing some fundamental things that, that are encouraging for fans. The effort is certainly there, and fans talk about that all the time. So those, those are things that you can point to and be encouraged by if you're a Vols fan. And, uh, you know, I'm a little surprised that they're, they're not a favorite at Kentucky, and Tennessee has obviously the historical advantage in that series also. But, you know, it's a game that I don't think anybody is going to be shocked one way or or the other, uh, when you have a, a kid like Bowden who is so explosive, he's not a traditional quarterback. You you know you figure they're uh, somewhat limited in what they can do in the passing game, but he was a quarterback in high school, so he he still can throw the football, and it's still something that uh, they're making it happen there. I, I think it's a uh, it's a very interesting game and one that I, both teams absolutely. You need if they want bull hopes. Uh, you know, Missouri is probably the toughest of the three remaining games for Tennessee, but then you have to pause with Missouri because they've been so bad in their last two road games against Vanderbilt and Kentucky. Can they just go back to playing great at home like they have played all season? Well, it may not be as easy now that you pile on two bad road performances. Are they just going to turn it on? We'll know the week before because they have Florida at home, does Missouri, prior to getting Tennessee at home. If they get smoked in that one, then maybe that's just, you know, Missouri going south and, and coasting to the finish line. If they bounce back and play well at home, then, yeah, we'll go back to what we've thought and that that's the most challenging game for Tennessee the rest of the way. But bowl, getting to a bowl game, to your point, Darren, it would be huge. But Pruitt wanted no part of any of that kind of talk today in the press conference. I mean, shut that talk down. He's like, all we're worried about, they know what you're getting at. All we're worried about is playing better against Kentucky. That's it. But he didn't want to talk about how recruiting has helped with the improved results. He didn't want any of that kind of talk either. And the, both of those things, though, are ultra important to the big picture. He doesn't want to give any any sort of – uh, reasons for his team to be focused on any on all that stuff that'll play out if his team keeps playing well. 
I don't have any problem with that, Vince. I, I'm going to be honest, just with the way things started for him and, you know, you go through the ups and downs of last season and then this season, I'm fine with that that mentality at this point because that's leading me into my question for you. And you've seen this team get better. I go back to the Georgia game and how they had that start against them and then and then to this point now. But the differences you've seen in just Jeremy Pruitt and his growth as the head coach, I feel like he's starting to learn some things and, and maybe learn how to be a CEO a little better. Well, I, I agree with you that, look, we, it's fine for people to talk about Tennessee and the potential to get to a bowl game, but that doesn't mean that he needs to talk about it, which, of course, sends a message to his players. That the team is one thing, the fans and the media and analysts, that, that's, that's something different. So we can all handle that discussion. They need to worry about the next game. They're not, they're not good enough, deep enough, or they haven't accomplished enough uh, to be able to, to just, you know, take the wrong uh, attitude into, you know, a pivotal game. And he even pointed out, he's like, look, we haven't won on the road yet. He said good football teams win on the road. So that's still a test that's there for us. So you're right, it is the right mindset for them to, to take. Uh, as far as growth with him, um, I you know, I think he overall he's been pretty consistent. He doesn't get – you know, overly upset about questions, things like that. I, I'll see. I'll tell you where where he has a little shrewd, a shrewd little thing that reminds me a little bit of Saban and and some other successful coaches. Is after wins, he's starting to be more critical and nitpicky of his team. And after losses, then he kind of puts his arm around them in the public as much as he can and show. Uh, confidence in them and say, look, this isn't, you know, we got to win, but, you know, I, there's some encouraging signs. So that's kind of Saban-esque in that, you know, hey, we, we can't we can't think we're all big and bad because we're winning some games now, so I got to make sure these guys are on edge, and then I got to make sure I show them confidence when things aren't going well that we can clean some things up and get what, better and win ball games. And another thing to your point, just thinking about it, Chase, is that he has, even when they were losing games, even the Alabama game, he said what fans want to hear. He said, I'm, we're, not, we're not in the moral victories. There's some things we can use and get better from, but ultimately it's about winning games. And that's what we're here to do. That's how you're judged. And I think fans like that. And those are a couple of little things that you wouldn't hear from Butch Jones uh, in terms of, of the big picture that yes, we're not taking moral victories. It's still about winning, and that's the bottom line. So yeah, those those things I, I would agree with you on. How impressed have you been with Jarrett Garantano in in the situations that he's been in, and he's able to come in and and play much better, and maybe not you know what everybody really had hoped, but he's still playing better. I know he had the interception on Saturday, but just how he's kind of handled everything. Well, Trey Smith, when he's asked about him, uh, asked about Garantino, he has been, he's raved about him. And uh, Trey Smith doesn't pull any punches. And he, he said he's been absolute class, handled it like a, a man. And you, you can't help but feed off of that. Now he's been dealing, first it was all the criticism after, you know, some bad moments. Tough player early in the year, started playing better than had the horrible decision in the, at the goal line against Bama 
when they're trying to hang in that ball game, and then the bounce back from the, and he had the helmet pull, and he he overcame all that to play pretty well against South Carolina and help lead them to a victory off the bench, and then again off the bench against UAB had one really bad decision. Trout had one really bad decision. Actually, got Trout yanked from that game, and you know he he had through the interception in the in the red zone. So he hasn't been perfect. He hasn't been maybe what uh, a lot of fans' expectations have been. But, man, there's a lot of people that would crack under all that he has been through. Then the injury um, where he didn't practice much last week and still overall played pretty well in that game. Um, and, you know, you looked at, at the post game. I don't know if you guys saw the video of it or if anybody listening did. I mean, he, his hand was so wrapped up. And he had this glove on this this beige glove. It almost looked like, you know, he had a uh, a prosthetic. Um, it's, it was that wrapped up in bandaged. But um, yeah, you talk about mental and physical toughness. That kid has shown it. He's very, very likable. You know, head scratching at times in some decisions, but very likable kid. And and how he's handled all of it. And I think at the at the moment that, you know, there's a possibility he could start and there's a possibility they could, you know, keep him in that sort of, you know, first man off the bench type of role because he's excelled there. Vols will try to win their first road game of the year this weekend uh, in Lexington against Kentucky. More with Vince Ferrara on the other side. We'll ask him, unfortunately, with basketball season literally just around the corner as we sit here in November, already playing exhibition games, a big blow to Rick Barnes and the Tennessee basketball program, and a lot more on the other side. More with Vince Ferrara next on Darren Donick and Chase, ESPN 102.5 The Game. Vince Ferrara every Monday to kick off the third hour of Darren Donick and Chase. Sports Animal, WNML in Knoxville, at Vince Sports on Twitter. A couple of things before we delve into some more Tennessee stuff. It seems like Greg Schiano is the guy who's going to be the next Rutgers coach, but it could be Butch Jones. How do you think it's going to play out? Who do you think is going to be the next head coach at Rutgers? Uh, honestly, I've not been tracking that very compelling Rutgers coaching search. <laughs> well, uh, I mean, there's a reason. Oh, hold on. Now. Let me just tell you. There's a reason why I'm bringing this up. Yeah. I mean, Garantano is – I'm not going to be at Tennessee next year, right? I mean, I, I think there's a real good shot. He transfers, grad transfers out. He's going to land somewhere, he, and he's going to be able to play right away. I mean, obviously, that is his backyard. I don't mm-hmm. think it's a crazy stretch considering his dad played at Rutgers. Uh, you know, just their ties to that, that if it's Shiano or Butch Jones, that, that could be a pretty easy dot to connect. Oh, no doubt, especially – Butch Jones, when after the Alabama game, Butch uh, Jones and Jerry Garantano had a, a nice long hug and, and some, you know, some words afterwards and chit chat. And, and honestly, that's what I thought of is, you know, hey, send me a spot on, uh, you know, on the roster if you get that gig or something to that degree. I, I don't know if that was said, just kind of joking that, yeah, you could make the connection with those two. Absolutely. So, uh, but, you know, if it plays out that way, then you can go that, down that route. Uh, Shiano, I, I guess that would be a very Rutgers thing to do, would be, hey, we, you know, we had uh, we had success. Let's go back to the guy that brought us the success. And, uh, you know, so either 
either way, I could see that being a destination, but definitely more so with Butch Jones. Well, basketball is here, and uh, I'll tell you what, the AD, Philip Fulmer, put out a pretty strongly worded statement geared geared uh, uh, geared toward the NCAA in their decision, and unfortunately the basketball program has, has taken a hit because they've been denied clearance uh, for their for their big man to join the program, and so they've been shut down, and even on the appeal, they've been shut down, and Philip Fulmer and uh, Rick Barnes don't seem to be too happy about it. No, nor should they be, honestly. He spent time in the Chattanooga area, and then you know one of the one of the guys he was really close to was hired by Arizona State, and so that that was the draw for him to go to Arizona State. Well, that guy got blown out. Uh, he's not getting playing time. He wants to come back closer to where he was at here in the state. And Tennessee provides him that great opportunity to, that that uh, staffer had worked for Rick Barnes. So, you know, there there's just uh, plenty of connections and back closer to home. You know, it's, it's you know it's legit for the kid, and I, I it's just very unfortunate. The NCAA is. Uh, incredibly inconsistent. They hadn't even done, as of last week, that he hadn't even gotten a half of the basketball cases yet. And the season starts tomorrow. It's ridiculous. It's pathetic. It's totally pathetic. But it's yeah. so NCAA. Absolutely it is. So, yeah, for the kid, you hate it for him. Every player, I've asked a ton of them about Euros Plavsic and how he's handled this and Man, they rave about the kid. You know, they, they get into him as a player, but more so how he's been as a teammate, how he's handled himself uh, in being patient and saying that, you know, God has a plan and, you know, I'll, we'll just hope for the best and that type of thing. And uh, he, he could probably – you could probably add a few games, three or four wins to this team if he was a part of it. Um, they just don't have length like him. Well, that's what they I was going to ask in, you, Vince. Like, how big yeah. of a blow is this? Because it seems like, from like I said, from the strongly worded uh, message back to the NCAA from Philip Fulmer that they were kind of counting on him. They thought they were going to they were going to have him available. So, how big of a blow is it? Well, they they had a lot of confidence. Rick Barnes had said it publicly that. Uh, that they felt like they would get that waiver for Plavsic. They knew Victor Bailey, the Oregon transfer, is a different situation. They knew he, they were going to have to wait on him. Uh, he was just practicing with them. But they felt good about him. But, again, they also knew it's the NCAA, so you never know with them. If it's logical, it's not necessarily on the table for them. So um, I, I do think it costs them several wins. And, Here's the other thing. You're right. That statement from from uh, Philip Fulmer was very strong, and I like it. But there's one more appeal process that they can go through. Rick Barnes uh, talking today at uh, the tip-off club, I believe, uh, he mentioned that there is one more appeals process that they are going through right now. And I, you, you listen, you read that statement from. Uh, Philip Fulmer, and it looked like there was one little window of opportunity, and that's what it is. And we're also going to get a chance to talk to Rick Barnes uh, in a couple of hours, so we'll follow up on that. So yeah, it's not over yet. What, what do you kid, give that window percentage-wise? Just I know you're just making a guess, but what do you give that window? I I 
I'm going to put it at 50-50 because wow. okay. because when you when you have this strong a case and I don't know exactly what sort of lean on the NCAA Tennessee might have but my understanding is there are times where if you if you go through this deep of a process in terms of getting waivers that there are there are situations where the NCAA can say okay we'll let you through I don't know if it's looking at other examples and you did this, this, and this, but not here. How, how are you going to deal with this publicly? And then the NCAA says, okay. So I, I, don't, I think there is a chance for them to, to get it. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but I, I, would, I would put it at 50-50 that they might be able to lean on the NCAA enough to, to get it overturned. And, you know, hopefully for the kid and for Tennessee it happens. Uh, so we'll, uh, we'll, we'll find out. I don't know the timetable on that, but I imagine pretty quickly, but then again, it's the NCAA. Yeah, I'm sure by conference play though, they'll, they'll look at right. it. <laughs> of course. Vince Ferrari. Before the NCAA tournament. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Before March Madness. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Vince Ferrara, WNML, the sports animal in Knoxville here with us. So shifting back into football and the matchup against Kentucky, Vince, um, can you look into the crystal ball and tell us who's going to start at quarterback for for the Tennessee Vols? Well, here, here's the thing on uh, on the QBs. It is it's not as crystal clear as uh, I think a lot of people might think with Brian Maurer. Oh, if he's healthy, he should play. Well, he should start. Well, he was actually healthy Saturday. the The trick is is that Jeremy Pruitt feels like. He needs a full week of good practice in order for him to have success on Saturday. And he wasn't able to have a full week of good practice last week. So does that mean now a week removed, a second week back at practice, that he can't have a full week and be good in practice? I don't know. I think that's the kicker. And – you, you, you can make an argument that actually Jerry Garantano, with him improving with his decisions at the line of scrimmage outside of that Alabama goal line play, he has done a better job of getting him in the, the right run plays and not having checks to bad plays. They weren't perfect in that area. Pruitt was lamenting that for all his quarterbacks, but I think some of that was Shroud also. Um, and, so, and he can also – he's been so good off the bench – that I, I think that there's an intrigue in in keeping him in that role, but he might also be the best guy right now with his improved play. At the time, it was Brian Maurer who was playing better than Jerry Garantano, but that was Garantano from earlier in the year. Now that Garantano has played better, Maurer hasn't been 100% healthy, and you don't know what he's going to be like if he gets back in the game now. He still has a, t- a tendency to turn the ball over, he does it a lot in the red zone also, which really upsets that coaching staff, then I, I, that's why I think it is a lot closer call than maybe it would have seemed to fans because of the spark that at the time Brian Maurer gave him. So if I had to pick one, I would probably say Maurer and keep Garantano in the relief role. But I, I think a lot of that depends on what they see from Maurer this week in practice. So what do you make of this matchup against Kentucky? I mean, Sawyer Smith has been nothing special at quarterback for them. I mean, they they obviously lost a ton from last year, and they've been middle of the road. But to me, this comes across with the way that Tennessee has been playing as of late. 
a very winnable game for them. And you mentioned earlier the history that they have, that these two programs have. Yeah, this Kentucky team has gone through phases this year, as you guys know. But I was really worried about their their defense coming into the season, and they had some some ugly moments at times earlier in the year. But you know, then they've I think they've at times played better than than what people might have expected. You knew they still had some talent on offense and a very good offensive line overall. And I think that's why they've been able to manage it with Lynn Bowden at quarterback, and he's just a playmaker. And I give them a lot of credit for being able to figure this out with that guy, quarterback. Tennessee fans and even media members are like, oh, Tennessee is going to face another wide receiver at quarterback. You know, Bowden's a little bit more than that. As we talked about, he played quarterback in high school. They didn't just stick him out there for the first time as a wide receiver like they they did at the end of the Dooley era when – Tennessee also had guys that didn't even want to go to a bowl game, so they didn't try in that game. This is a different Tennessee team, a different wide receiver, so to speak, at quarterback. So Tennessee will be challenged at the line of scrimmage. Um, I, I Right now I'm, I'm leaning towards Tennessee to, to get that win, but it's something they haven't done before. And then, you know, the elements too. They haven't really played in freezing weather, and it's supposed to be awful cold. So how does the, the team handle that? Um, I think it'll be relatively close, but I would give Tennessee the overall advantage in, in the ball game. Uh, Bowden ran for over 200 yards against Missouri. Yeah, I don't know if you saw. I mean, I think 204 yards. So uh, yeah. he's got crazy legs. So you'll have to watch out for that for sure. But uh, uh, the bottom line is why I said I was surprised Kentucky was favored is Tennessee's 31 and two in the last 33 years. So that. There, there's that history. I saw that game last year when Kentucky was loaded. Yep. You came in Knoxville, and, and I, I don't think they got off the bus. Big, blade a big egg. So yeah, there is that. And, Vince, and there's been there's been times where Kentucky goes Kentucky against Tennessee when it looks like they're on their way to winning, and kind of like that Florida game for Kentucky early, earlier this year. That was sort of a flash flashback to the past of where they find ways to lose. That that has seemed to happen a fair amount against Tennessee. We'll see if we'll see it uh, Saturday night. No doubt about it. Vince, always a pleasure. Thanks for doing this. Have a great week. All right. Always enjoy. You guys have an awesome week, too. Thank you. you, All right. Thank you. That is Vince Ferrara, WNML there in Knoxville, the sports animal. He's uh, at Vince Sports on Twitter. Give him a follow. I want to talk to all the men out there. I've been telling you for years now about my friends over at Cool Springs MD, and they know a lot of you men have started to seek help for hormone deficiencies and imbalances. And Dr. Jeffrey Lodge is front and center on that quest. He's the board certified physician over there. His wife, Daphne Lodge, is the registered nurse, and their experienced staff want to give you men the treatments that are required to improve your quality of life. And as we all get older, I hope you want that, like I do. Cool Springs MD services have already helped a lot of you here in the Middle Tennessee area with improving your immune systems, your energy levels, your cognitive function, and so much more. They're there to connect you with the medical care you require to have a healthy and enriched life. If you want to achieve that healthy lifestyle, what are you waiting for? Pick up the phone and make that appointment like I have. 615-283-7291. That's 283-7291. Or you can always go check out everything you need to know on their website, coolspringsmd.com. How do you evaluate the job that Arthur Smith has done so far this season? Well, I think that the value on all of our jobs is um, – is below average because we're four and five. So we haven't played well enough and we haven't coached well enough. Um, that, that's where I value 
um, all our efforts, starting with me. And the reward is, next up, the chefs of Kansas City. Or they probably call them the Chiefs. They're pretty good. And they probably are going to have their star quarterback back in the lineup. He looked like he was pretty darn close this past week against the Vikings. But Matt Moore would go out there and take care of business on his own. And Kansas City would actually hit field goals. And they would actually hit a game-winning field goal as time expired. And Butker and the Chiefs run off the field with a 26-23 victory. So a good win for them. So that's what's next up. And they're facing a hole they don't want to be in. If the Titans can't find a way to beat this Kansas City team, you don't want to go into a bye week four and six with six to go. I mean, like I said, that's just a hole you don't want to be in. It's uh, it's not a good hole no. because I'm not sure what the magic number is, but the Texans don't seem to be going away. No matter who they trade away or go down, they just keep winning. Cause that, I think yesterday was a big that guy, step for Deshaun them. Watson, he's pretty good. He is. Yeah, he's pretty darn good. So I don't see them going away, although we know in December, especially late December, they're going to have two matchups against the Texans, and who knows what's at stake or what's on the line for the Titans in that matchup. But they will have two games against the Texans. What, two out of their last three? Is that right? Yeah, because they – and I in it the Saints that they – here, I got it right here. So they play the Texans, the Saints, and the Texans. That's the that's the last three games of the Oof, season for the Titans. That's brutal. Texans at home, Saints at homes on on the road at Houston on December twenty. Yikes! That's not easy. Not easy by any means. And oh, by the way, before that, coming off the bye week, Jacksonville at Indy at Oakland. Also, not very easy. No, no. Uh, their schedule's brutal. Right. And with what Down you have seen, what you have seen over the course of, I mean, the first eight games of the season, nine games of the season, I, I mean, you really think it's going to get any better with a schedule like that? Well, especially when you look at their last two road games, Broncos yeah. and Panthers. I mean, I would say right now those are two teams that, especially the Broncos, they're not going to the playoffs. And Carolina, I don't think, is going to the playoffs. So. Two non-playoff teams. No, but teams. yesterday was a big win for them in, well, yeah, in staying but, in contention. Yeah, but staying in contention. But, I mean, when you start stacking up the teams in the NFC, I mean, you see them sliding into a, a wild card spot. I mean, they're going to win the division. We know no, that. But, I, I mean. Who, who are they going to beat? I mean, who's going who's, to who's go away in the NFC of all the wild card teams? You're right. Because the, the hardest I mean, I get division, a Minnesota loss, so that, that helps them, right? But the Packers lost. Yeah, the Packers, I mean, Minnesota's still in contention for the division overall. Right. So one of those two teams you would think, all right, probably. But then the NFC West, San Francisco, they're... I mean, Seattle's not going away, but San Francisco's two probably going to win the division. So there's a wild card team. It's and LA, more than I likely going to be Seattle. I wouldn't... LA's not dead yet. No. LA's not out of it. So I, I guess what I'm getting at is they've their last two road games, they've looked mm-hmm. really bad. And it's probably against two non-playoff teams, two teams yeah. that aren't going to be playing in January. So, I don't know. I, I just I don't see the in Philadelphia. I wouldn't write them off. The yet miraculous either. comeback. I don't. I don't see it. I'm not saying it can't happen, but what proof is there to think that all of a sudden? I mean, I guess if anything, we've we've learned is 
they've got one thing down this year, and that's inconsistency. So they don't yeah. do too much of either one very long. They don't win for very long, and they don't lose for very long. But the problem is you need that inconsistency to go away to get into the playoffs. Like Then you have to go on that run of winning and being consistent winning. And, and the there's way they no played. proof of that because – it seems like they're either the most they can do is win two or lose two, and then they go the other way, right? Right. And knowing what we know about football, they're probably going to lose this weekend. I mean, I, I don't unless it's like you we were talking about earlier with Tehran of just one of those fluke things where maybe Mahomes plays, but he's not he's not a hundred percent. He's not the same Patrick Mahomes that he has been. Titans figure out a way, get a win at home, and then go into the bye at five hundred. Then that changes a few things, but on paper, I'd say Kansas City is going to win this game. I just oh, I think it's totally in them to do exactly what you don't think they're going to do. But the problem is when you start, and we'll obviously we're talking more about what happened yesterday, and talk more this week about the next matchup. But as we sit here and talk about the next matchup, I guess the problem that I have is trying to figure out okay. If they do what we don't think they're they're going to do, because they they tend to do that, and find a way to beat Kansas City, I guess the next question is, well, how 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 are they going to beat Kansas City? That's probably where I struggle. I don't think Kansas City's defense is very good. Um, right. You should be able to move the ball. You should be able to put points up. But how are you going to slow down? What is arguably the most explosive offense in the league? How do you slow that down? You, you, yeah, and the defense has, as we've said, carried the water. But. Like Tyreek Hill is more than just a speed burner. Okay, yeah. If you watched him this past weekend, he's more than just a fast guy. And if you're not going to have Malcolm Butler, like he actually catches everything too. I mean that. Yeah. You know, there's been really fast guys, kind of one trick ponies. We've talked about this with Derek Mason on Morning Drive about one trick pony guys, guys that just are blazers. Mm-hmm. But they also have a hard time sometimes catching the ball. They don't have great hands. They can outrun you, but they kind of They don't have, have the yak ability, the yards have, after catch. They don't catch. really – well, and they, they have a hard time of bringing things – like, he brings everything in. Like, if you throw yeah. it anywhere in his direction, he's also a guy that will not only outrun you, he can outcatch you. Like, he catches everything. So, he's a crazy good. Travis Kelsey, we know, is a crazy good tight end in the league. They can run the ball, which they did on Sunday. Damian Williams ran for over 100 yards. Mm-hmm. Mahomes, as we know, is special, even if he's not 100%. He's not going to be 100%. No. But I guess what I'm the hard thing, and even I, if the thing I'm wrestling plays, with I'm, is how do you beat him? Right. That's, and I don't know. I don't have an answer to that. Because even if Matt Moore plays at quarterback for them, I, I'm still giving, I'm sliding towards Kansas City. And the chances get a little bit better. But right now, the line sits at three and a half. Kansas City's favored. And we don't know the status know, right, of Mahomes. We don't even know who's going to play, and they've so, still got Kansas City as a three and a half point favorite. Right. So, because I, I think top, you know, I think the the roster overall. It's what I was saying earlier. That's a that's a fifty three man roster that's all on the same page. I look at this fifty three man roster. While I do believe there's talent, I disagree with Trent Dilfer that I I do think there's talent on this roster. He said they weren't overly talented. I think it's there. They're just not all playing in sync. They're not all on the same page, and. That's on everybody. That's on the coaches. That's on the players. They got to figure out a way to get on the same page. Because when they do, when they are playing on the same page, 
okay, you start to see some things click. Now you'll have the head coach making fourth down calls and fake field goals and things like that that make you scratch your head. But when the when the players on the field are all in sync, it doesn't look that bad. But it's finding consistency where they can do that that has been the issue. By the way, we've got televisions in our studio. and We do. One of the televisions had uh, Colin Cowherd on and mm-hmm. Trent Dilfer was his guest. Yep. Not in studio, but. He was in his office. Clearly in his office at Lipscomb Academy, which is where we were on Friday. We had a really good talk with him on Friday. Uh, and unfortunately, they lost to BGA. They, they would have won. They would have hosted a playoff game, but they didn't They didn't unfortunately win. Seven, I think it was 17-14, yeah. right? Yeah, it was a close I was keeping up with it, and then I went and did uh, TV with Fox, and we were talking about it. But um, just a close game. And how about this? Just since you mentioned high school football, I'm going to bring this up. Brentwood Academy. Did not make the playoffs. Yeah. For the first time since say, I believe 97. When's the last time we said that? Yeah. So, Chase, the uh, the story actually behind that is 97, they were ineligible because of a TSSAA violation. The last time they didn't make it on record alone was the 70s. Wow. Yeah. And then NBA gets in. They were, five, I think, 5-5 five and five on the season. But right. They had but they're, a, they're in the other division now. Yeah. There was realignment in the highest private school class, so... It's interesting. They're with the Memphis schools, MBA is, and BA is with the Chattanooga schools. Yeah, which they're pretty good That is putting things in perspective right there. So just on record alone, the 70s, the last time we've talked about a Brentwood Academy team not in the playoffs. Wow. That's something. Mm. That probably would have been maybe before Carlton Flat. But mm. we will have Scott Burnside to kick off the final hour of the program. We'll talk a little hockey with him, but we'll come back – and close out the third hour with This Is What I Know. You tell us what you know. We've got a good prize attached to it. We'll do the. We'll wrap that up with your phone calls on the other side. 615-737-1025. You're listening to Darren, Donick, and Chase. Tell us what you know. 737-1025. 615-737-1025. The best one. This segment's going to win a pair of tickets before you can even buy them. Journey and special guests, The Pretenders at Bridgestone Arena next August. Tickets go on sale this Friday at 10 a.m. That's what's on the line. But you know what I know? You need to jump in there and get involved. It's very you easy. Do. It's it's wide open. It's an open canvas. Take it however you want. Just keep it clean. 737-1025. For example, Chase, this is what I know. Nashvillian and the right fielder for the Boston Red Sox, Mookie Betts, just collected his fourth straight gold glove fourth Mm. straight gold glove beating out cole calhoun of the angels and josh reddick of the astros cole calhoun was a finalist he was a runner-up yes he was oh my god he was why why do you why omg i thought he was a massive defensive liability but maybe i'm thinking of somebody else maybe so he was a runner-up Mookie Betts, fourth straight gold glove. Congrats to Mookie. Yeah, so congrats to Mookie Betts. Like I said, Nashvilleian. Things obviously didn't go the Red Sox way this year, but uh, he continues to get it done in the field. So we wanted to throw that out there. I also threw out one earlier. Uh, I kind of let a couple of mine out, out of the bag early where I said every NFL home team this week covered the spread. 
even if they were yeah. an underdog. Like Arizona on Thursday night, they covered against the 49ers. Every NFL home team covered against the spread this weekend. Uh, the other one I let out of the bag is it looks like Shiano is indeed the leading candidate to return to Rutgers. Butch Jones interviewed. I believe we saw mm-hmm. that. The Butch Jones had an official interview. But, but it looks like all signs are pointing towards Shiano, but uh, it seems like it's between those two. That's, it's, that's an uphill climb. That job is not going to be easy to get back on track. It is it has fallen way, way down. Yeah. Oh, I mean, that's why it would be a perfect opportunity for somebody like Butch Jones. But even Greg Schiano, I mean, that, I think either one of them would fit that. So definitely doesn't have a lot of uh, pop and circumstance with it. No. So that's what I know. What this, do you know? This is what I know. A couple things. Uh, as we alluded to earlier, I dressed as Bill Belichick. And I was wondering how that was going to go over at the party I went to. And what I know is it was it was uh, rather popular. People thought I played the part of Bill Belichick well. Had the headset and I uh, was grumbling a lot. The only thing was I, I'm, I just look too happy. So I need to work on not looking as happy when I'm Bill Belichick. But yeah, um, it went over well. My friend won his Magnum PI and I think he won because he had oh, the yeah. mustache. and Real? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Real mustache and everything, so it was pretty good. So the, he pulled off Tom Selleck, huh? He did. Okay. He did binoculars and the shirt and had the Detroit Tigers hat and and everything. It was pretty good. Uh, the other thing that I know, I was wrong about Lamar Jackson. I did not think Lamar Jackson was going to really work out in the NFL. I thought that it was a mistake for the Ravens to to go up and draft him and think that he was the quarterback of their future. And then watching his performance against the New England Patriots last night, albeit at home, I uh, I am wrong, and I am admitting publicly that that I was wrong. The whole, um, you know, I mean, he he had twenty three attempts through the air, but then sixteen carries for sixty one yards and the two rushing touchdowns. And one, he just he walked in and he was yeah, even he, he made him look. He forward. was showboating on that, and and like the I was like Lamar, just get in there, but he had all the time in the world. Did he, he have just, two or three? What, rushing touchdown? Yeah. Two. Just two? Yeah. Yeah, he, he made them look bad. He made them look bad. And who knows if it's going to be I was sustainable. Say, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't go there just yet because, I mean, he's still got to do it for a, amount of, a you know, certain amount of time. Yeah. So, I mean, if, he, if we're having the same conversation in two years, then you were dead wrong. And then credit – well, and then I'll admit that too, but <laughs> – Credit to the Ravens' defense because the defense did their job against. Yeah. I mean, they couldn't get anything going on mm-hmm. offense, and it was seventeen to nothing before, before you could even think. So, uh, credit to the Ravens' defense. Okay, tell us what you know. Seven three seven one zero two five. Need some participation. I know we normally do it at eleven forty five. We had to move it back an hour because we played the Vrabel press conference. Let's go to Tim. Tim, what do you know? I know that you have no business being a SEC head coach when you can't tell us why an all-SEC receiver is not playing. If it's not hurt, if it, there's no reason he can't. And he keeps fumbling around. And then coming back from halftime, he can't tell us whether or not what happened to your starting quarterback. He says, well, the offensive coordinator has to take care of all that. If you're in, if you're in that far over your head, you don't need to be coaching in the SEC. Are you, ta- are you talking about over on West End? 
I'm talking about West End, Derek Mason, not the receiver, the person that says he's a coach. Okay. All right. He so. may be a great guy, and, I, and he is, and he may be a great defensive coordinator. He is not an SEC head coach. Okay. Thank you, Tim. Mm-hmm. Nah, thank you. But you can make an argument that Vanderbilt hasn't necessarily acted like an SEC program. Now, I know Malcolm Turner is – Talking about changing the status quo and and all of that, and I I hope that happens. I'll believe it when I see it. But you can't. While I agree, there are some things that Derek Mason hasn't done uh, that are that are necessarily correct. I think you have to look at the entire situation that he's in over there. It's not an easy job, uh, as did, we have discussed. Did not look good in South Carolina. No, they didn't. And they, and look, it's. It might go away that I think we're all thinking that he might not be the head coach anymore, but you still have to factor in everything that he has to deal with over there. By the way, they're they're lucky that score was what it was. Yeah. I mean, it could have been way worse. Oh, I agree. I mean, it could have been an even bigger blowout. Uh, yeah, they had some – I mean, they, luckily their defense had some big plays when South Carolina was deep um, to keep that score manageable. Couldn't get anything going offensively. Gabriel, what do you know? Hey, what I what I know? How you doing, guys? Good. How are you? Uh, all right. What I what I, this is what I know. The state of Tennessee this year in 2019 did a, a fantastic job in hosting the NFL draft here in Nashville, and Memphis did a great job in hosting ESPN Game Day over the weekend. I went down there. I went for the experience. Went to the draft. Both uh, great experiences. Uh, Memphis put on a, on, a, on a class show. I didn't think they were going to be able to pull it off, and I'm a native Memphian. You live here, though, Gabriel? I do live here. All right. Hey, Very good cool. call. That's a good Good one. call. I like that. I, I actually watched the coverage. Thank you. Uh, and I agree with you. I think they did pull it off. I thought it looked really good. And uh, How about the King? Your boy, How Jerry the, the Keen Lawler, was uh, the guest picker. Yeah. I thought we're he, have br- to get I thought him he brought it. And uh, Lee Corso picked SMU, did he not? He picked SMU. In which I had in my silly underdogs. Yeah. And Memphis got it done. That was a crazy game. By the way, they got they got up three scores in the fourth quarter, and it looked like yeah. it was all but done. And then the next thing you know, row, row. Here comes SMU battling back. I'll tell you what, Norvell, he may, get a, he may be in the discussion yeah. for Florida State. Who knows? It's not a really – That's a good call. What, I got to be honest. That's a good call. Justin Fuentes and and Norvell deserve a lot of credit because when Tommy West left that program and said, you basically just bashed what we've talked about with Vanderbilt, just bashed all the all the people above him, saying, "Man, either either you want to do this or you don't. Are you in or you out? Right? Do you want to support the football program? Do you want to try to make this happen and work, or do you just you sit on your hands and do nothing? Because it was bad." And then Memphis dipped way – I mean, well, maybe one of the worst programs in the country. Yeah. And Fuentes turned them around, and Norvell has kept – picked it up right where left. I mean, they, they're a fun team to watch, man. Sure. They, that, I watched a lot of that game Saturday night. I don't know how good they are. I don't know if you stack them up against the big boys, how they would look. But I'll tell you what, I, I wanted to flip around, and I found myself just watching that game. That conference – doesn't you know it's not the old big east but it's fun i mean it's got some yeah it's got some competition and you it. got sonny dykes over on the other side coaching smooth yeah let's go to daryl daryl what do you know hello 
How you doing? Go ahead. How are you guys today? Great. All right, well, this is what I know. Um, the SEC East, uh, which is your top two teams, which is Georgia and Florida, which was a great game this past weekend. And I'm a Georgia fan, by the way, born in Georgia, but I now live in Tennessee. But this is what I know. We, we, we will neither beat Alabama or LSU in the SEC title game. <laughs> you said you will not beat them? No, we will not beat them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I love Kirby. Uh, he, he's a, he's a, he's a, or of course a Georgia native, but, uh, he coached on the Sabin for nine years. Uh, and he gave away two championships to Sabin, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> uh, one in the championship and one in the SEC. I mean, I just don't think the East is as strong as the West. Uh, now they could prove me wrong, but either one of those teams could lose one game in the SEC title game and still make the playoffs. That's just how strong the uh, the West is as, a pair, as opposed to the East. Okay. Daryl, thank you for the call. A little surprising to hear a Georgia fan after winning that game in Jacksonville and saying, hey, eh, it's all for naught. They're not going to win. They're not going to win those games. By the way, LSU and Alabama this Saturday. LSU has the some college news. football game of the week is this Saturday. One more. Josh, final caller. What do you know? Hey, guys. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, long-time caller, first-time listener. All right. Um, but actually, uh, what I know is the game of football has officially passed Rich Rodriguez by. I'm a diehard Ole Miss fan. If you didn't see the crap show that was this Saturday, uh, he cannot call a pass play to save his life. Of course, Ole Miss is in shambles, and we're on the way up, I think, but we're not going to do it with Rich Rodriguez. Uh, I advise you guys to watch some of that game to see uh, – just how how bad it is but anyway thanks for taking my call all right thank you josh well after that sales job by yeah, you i, I have no desire to go watch yeah, i'm gonna pass yeah hard pass that was not a good sell <laughs> you just said uh it was a crap show so no i'm not gonna waste my time going to look at that but thank you hey real quick lsu you bring you bring up that game yep. uh ed orgeron announcing today that starting linebacker michael divinity who leads the team in sacks has left the team for personal reasons He's already missed three games this year, yep, yep. Um, but he has left the team. And Nick Saban, little Nicky today, saying that Tua will be a game-time decision. Yeah, he's going to play. Yeah, right. Yeah. Fourth and final hour, we kick it off with Scott Burnside next.